Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode number 153 of the Bible Reading Podcast. Today's big Bible questions, what does Jesus look like now, and what did he look like as a human, and does he look the same? Well, hello, everybody. Happy weekend to you. For those that are curious from yesterday's pod, yes, I did clean my office today, and thus my wife was comforted. It only took about three hours, so I guess you can imagine the wasteland it was. Well, today I'm pumped because we begin the book of Revelation, which has long been one of my favorites, dating back to my teens, really maybe even before that. Of course, I didn't understand it at all and really don't either today, but it's so full of amazing, remarkable, fascinating, excited things that I sure did like reading it and hearing sermons on it and that sort of thing. But interestingly... There is a lot in Revelation that is not about the end times in the last days, and a lot of it that is uh, applicable for us today. And if you're a preterist, and I'm not at all, then almost none of it is about the last days. Well, what is preterism? More on that in a future podcast. But before we get to that, I want to shout out to friend of the podcast, J.F. the Third, who says in a comment at our podcast home, BibleReadingPodcast.com, that's BibleReadingPodcast.com, Mr. Finch says, Greetings, Pastor Chase. Thank you for the short discussion on today's podcast. I read a book about two years ago that referenced one of Dr. Heiser's books, The Unseen World, extensively. I then read this book along with other books referring to the Nephilim and the hybrid species that may have existed on the earth before the flood. These books are fascinating reads, and I recognize them as speculation. I'm currently reading Judgment of the Nephilim by Ryan Peterson. Is it? plausible that there will be strange created beings appearing on earth in the last days. Only God knows for sure. Thanks again for the podcast. I listen every day. Well, God bless you, John in Arizona. Mr. Finch the third. we um, appreciate those of you guys who can stomach this podcast every day, uh, and we appreciate those of you that are faithful downloaders. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Is it indeed plausible that there will be strange created beings appearing on earth in the last days? Well, Based on the Old Testament and New Testament depictions of life in the last days, it's almost like anything is possible. I mean, there's some strange stuff in there uh, in the Bible about what the last days are going to be like, and I'm sure it's going to make a lot more sense the closer we get and as we go through it, if we are the generation alive that will go through it. But I think there's going to be some interesting stuff in that happens as it unfolds. Well, I'm glad you are interested in the Nephilim, John. My wife is not so much interested in that. She's very much a meat and potatoes Bible kind of person. She loves all the good and deep and spiritual parts of the Bible, but the fascinating and mysterious really hold no appeal to her. She could be walking home and see an alien or UFO or Yeti or Chupacabra or Ghost or Bigfoot or Vampire, Werewolf, Fairy, Tiefling or Dragon and be so unmoved by such a thing that she would probably forget to mention it to me for a week or two. Well, if you are a meat and potatoes Bible kind of person, then today's episode episode should be more up your alley than an episode on archangels or Nephilim, but still I think have enough fascinating content in Revelation to satisfy those who like mind-blowing stuff. Now we've talked about it before on this pod, but when we think of the human appearance of Jesus, our imagination is very likely clouded or obscured by the Byzantines of the 4th century and the artists of the Italian Renaissance those guys portrayed Jesus as a long-haired, mostly white-skinned 
guy with gentle features, sometimes blue eyes, which are very unlikely, and a beard. Well, as a first century Jewish man, though, Jesus was very likely olive-skinned, not white, and did not have long hair because the only men in Jewish culture at that time with long hair would have been those who had taken a Nazarite vow, and we have no evidence that Jesus did that. He likely would have been around 5 feet 4, 5 feet 5 inches tall, which is the average height of a Jewish man of the first century. This is nothing more than an assumption, mind you, but it's very likely that Jesus was of average height and appearance for a first century Galilean due to the fact that Judas had to actually point Jesus out to those who arrested him. And, you know, if he was particularly tall, short, big, uh, darker, or light-skinned or whatever, then uh, he could have just said, hey, the, you know, the tall guy, go go get him. But J- Judas actually had to walk up to Jesus. And so maybe, this is conjecture, maybe that means Jesus looked like your average first century Galilean. And indeed, Isaiah tells us that Jesus was not beautiful that we would desire to be in his company or be with him. Well, did he have a beard? Now, the Gospels give us very, very, actually a strangely small amount of information about the appearance of Jesus. Almost nothing and no beard is ever mentioned. Now, the book of Isaiah does mention a prophecy uh, that says something about he gave his cheek to those who pluck the beard, but that doesn't actually say that uh, Jesus had a beard, and that prophecy is probably about Jesus, but even then, to give your cheek to those who pluck the beard doesn't necessarily say you have a beard, That because the, the New Testament is very clear that Jesus was slapped in the face, but, you know, we don't know about the beard. Many of the earliest portrayals of Jesus that we have, including a picture that I have copied on a BibleReadingPodcast.com website from the 200s to 300s AD, depict Jesus without a beard, which is pretty interesting to think about. Well, there's also another picture of uh, that's not a picture of Jesus on BibleReadingPodcast.com, but it is a reconstruction of what the average first century Galilean might look like. And this reconstruction does have a beard. It does seem like most of the men of that day had a beard, but it, it's it's actually hard to tell. I've read it both ways, and the Bible doesn't say, so we're just kind of guessing. But today, in Revelation 1, we can, I think, do more than guess, because John is going to describe the risen Jesus for us in a way that the Bible never has described him yet up to this point. So let's read Revelation chapter 1, and when we get there, you pay close attention to the description of Jesus. Revelation chapter 1, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. The revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, whatever he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Good. And blessed are those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep what is written in it because the time is near. John, to the seven churches in Asia, grace and peace to you from the one who is, who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has set us free from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father, 
To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, the one who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and partner in the affliction, kingdom, and endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard a loud voice behind me like a trumpet saying, Write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Then I turned to see whose voice it was that spoke to me. When I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was one like the Son of Man, dressed in a robe and with a golden sash wrapped around his chest. The hair of his head was white as wool, white as snow, and his eyes like a fiery flame. His feet were like fine bronze as it is fired in a furnace, and his voice like the sound of cascading waters. He had seven stars in his right hand, a sharp double-edged sword came from his mouth, and his face was shining like the sun at full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. He laid his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one. I was dead, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Therefore, write what you have seen, what is and what will take place after this, the mystery of the seven stars you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. To my knowledge, this is the most descriptive depiction of Jesus in the entire Bible, and it is likely, I believe, that this is the dis- this description is of the resurrected or heavenly Jesus in much of his glory. Perhaps a description of how Jesus appeared before the Incarnation, and very likely a description of how Jesus appears now. It's also possible, in looking around the rest of the Bible, that an early part of Daniel chapter 10 gives us a description of Jesus, because what Daniel describes sounds very much like what John describes. But I should also say, the Daniel 10 description could also be of the angelic being that Daniel interacts with later in Daniel 10. And we don't know for sure because the language is somewhat ambiguous, but the the description is very similar. So Daniel 10 verse 5 says, I looked up and there was a man dressed in linen with a belt of gold from Euphaz around his waist. His body was like barrel his face like the brilliance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and feet like the gleam of polished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. Well, if you're like me, you're wondering what exactly a barrel is, well, uh, or what color a barrel is, since it says that the, the being described in Daniel 10 had a body-like barrel. Well, an emerald is a type of barrel, and so is an aquamarine. So, could be blue, could be green, um, but but a very interesting color, uh, no doubt. Uh, that description in Daniel 10 matches very well, as I said, with the description in Revelation 1, but it should also be noted that it matches the description of other heavenly beings like the angel of the Lord in Matthew 28, verse 3, which says, His appearance, the angel of the Lord's appearance, was like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. Also, Revelation 15, verse 6 says, 
Out of the temple came the seven angels with the seven plagues dressed in pure bright linen with golden sashes wrapped around their chest. Now, of more certainty in understanding what the risen, resurrected, glorified Jesus looks like is Revelation 19, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, verse 11 through 16. It says this, John says, I saw heaven opened and there was a white horse. Its rider is called faithful and true and with justice he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a fiery flame and many crowns were on his head. He had a name written that no one knows except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God. The armies that were in heaven followed him on white horses bearing pure white linen. A sharp sword came from his mouth so that he might strike the nations with it. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will also trample the winepress of the fierce anger of God the Almighty. And he has a name written on his robe and on his thigh, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And finally, one other small description of the heavenly Jesus, uh, basically confirming what we've already heard. From Revelation 2, verse 18, which says, Write to the angel of the church in Thyatira, Thus says the Son of God, the one whose eyes are like a fiery flame and whose feet are like fine bronze. So adding it up, what does the heavenly Jesus look like now? Well, we know his eyes are like fiery flames. His hair is like snow-white wool. His feet, and perhaps his entire skin tone, appears to be like fine, fire-polished bronze. Although if the Daniel 10 description is of Jesus, we could say maybe his skin tone is sort of like an emerald or an aquamarine. His face is radiant and shining like lightning or like the sun at full blast. His appearance, in other words, is utterly overwhelming and powerful. And just seeing Jesus literally makes John faint like a dead man with one look. And I think it would do the same for us. All hail. Jesus, the magnificent Lord with fiery eyes, snow-white hair, gleaming body, and lightning face. Hail, hail to the Lamb who is slain and the King of kings. Deuteronomy chapter 3 verse 1. Then we turned and went up the road to Bashan, and King Og of Bashan came out against us with his whole army to do battle at Edrai. But the Lord said to me, Do not fear him, for I have handed him over to you along with his whole army in his land. Do to him as you did to King Sihon of the Amorites who lived in Heshbon. So the Lord our God also handed over King Og of Bashan and his whole army to us. We struck him until there was no survivor left. We captured all his cities at that time. There wasn't a city that we didn't take from them. Sixty cities, the entire region of Argob, the kingdom of Og in Bashan. All these were fortified with high walls, gates, and bars, besides a large number of rural villages. We completely destroyed them as we had done to King Sihon of Heshbon, destroying the men, women, and children of every city. But we took all the livestock and the spoil from the cities as plunder for ourselves. At that time, we took the land from the two Amorite kings across the Jordan from the Arnon Valley as far as Mount Hermon, which the Sidonians call Syrian, but the Amorites call Senir. All the cities of the plateau, Gilead and Bashan, as far as Salika and Edrai, cities of Og's kingdom in Bashan. Only King Og of Bashan was left of the remnant of the Rephaim. His bed was made of iron. Isn't it in Rabbah of the Ammonites? It is thirteen and a half feet long and six feet wide by a standard measure. Hmm. 
At that time, we took possession of this land. I gave to the Reubenites and Gadites the area extending from Aror by the Arnon Valley and half the hill country of Gilead along with its cities. I gave to half the tribe of Manasseh the rest of Gilead and all Bashan, the kingdom of Og. The entire region of Argob, the whole territory of Bashan, used to be called the land of the Rephaim. Jair, a descendant of Manasseh, took over the entire region of Argob as far as the border of the Geshurites and Machathites. He called Bashan by his own name, Jair's villages, as it is called today. I gave Gilead to Machir, and I gave to the Reubenites and Gadites the area extending from Gilead to the Arnon Valley, the middle of the valley was the border, and up to the Jabbok River, the border of the Ammonites. The Arabah and Jordan are also borders from Chinnereth as far as the Sea of Arabah, the Dead Sea, under the slopes of Pisgah on the east. I commanded you at that time, the Lord your God has given you this land to possess. All your valiant men will cross over in battle formation ahead of your brothers the Israelites, but your wives' descendants, dependents, and livestock, I know that you have a lot of livestock, will remain in the cities I have given you until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you, and they also take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving them across the Jordan. Then each of you may return to his possession that I have given you. I commanded Joshua at that time, Your own eyes have seen everything the Lord your God has done to these two kings. The Lord will do the same to all the kingdoms you are about to enter. Don't be afraid of them, for the Lord your God fights for you. At that time I begged the Lord, Lord God, you have begun to show your greatness and your strong hand to your servant. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can perform mighty deeds and mighty acts like yours? Please let me cross over and see the beautiful land on the other side of the Jordan, that good hill country in Lebanon. But the Lord was angry with me because of you and would not listen to me. The Lord said to me, That's enough. Do not speak to me again about this matter. Go to the top of Pisgah and look to the west, north, south, and east, and see it with your own eyes, for you will not cross the Jordan. But commission Joshua and encourage and strengthen him, for he will cross over ahead of the people and enable them to inherit this land that you will see. So we stayed in the valley facing Beth Peor. Psalm 85 Lord, you showed favor to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave your people's guilt. You covered all their sin. Selah. You withdrew all your fury. You turned from your burning anger. Return to us, God of our salvation, and abandon your displeasure with us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger for all generations? Will you not revive us again so that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your faithful love, Lord, and give us your salvation. I will listen to what God will say. Surely the Lord will declare peace to his people, his faithful ones, and not let them go back to foolish ways. His salvation is very near those who fear him, so that glory may dwell in our land. Faithful love and truth will join together. Righteousness and peace will embrace. Truth will spring up from the earth, and righteousness will look down from heaven. Also, the Lord will provide what is good, and our land will yield its crops. Righteousness will go before him to prepare the way for his steps. Isaiah chapter 31 Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and who depend on horses. They trust in the abundance of chariots and in the large number of horsemen. They do not look to the Holy One of Israel, and they do not seek the Lord. But he also is wise and brings disaster. He does not go back on what he says. 
He will rise up against the house of the wicked and against the allies of evil doers. Egyptians are men, not God. Their horses are flesh, not spirit. When the Lord raises his hand to strike, the helper will stumble, and the one who is helped will fall. Both will perish together. For this is what the Lord said to me. As a young lion or lion growls over its prey, when a band of shepherds is called out against it and is not terrified by their shouting or subdued by their noise, so the Lord of armies will come down to fight on Mount Zion and on its hill. Like hovering birds, so the Lord of armies will protect Jerusalem. By protecting it, he will rescue it. By passing over it, he will deliver it. Return to the one the Israelites have greatly rebelled against, for on that day, every one of you will reject the worthless idols of silver and gold that your own hands have sinfully made. Then Assyria will fall, but not by human sword. A sword will devour him, but not one made by man. He will flee from the sword. His young men will be put to forced labor. His rock will pass away because of fear, and his officers will be afraid because of the signal flag. This is the Lord's declaration, whose fire is in Zion and whose furnace is in Jerusalem. Amen. Bless his name. Dear friends, I hope the word of God is edifying and encouraging you today and that his hand will be on you to bless you and comfort you in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Godspeed.